Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, how do you know that you're really a Christian? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How do you know that you're really a Christian? Well, different people sometimes answer that question differently. Like they say, well, I, I know the Bible pretty well. People rely on that. Or they say, you know, I attend church or I give to charity and I give to the church. Or here's one common one I've heard in my office. You know, I, I know I'm a Christian because of the good things that I've done. Uh, other people have said, well, how, how I serve others, that proves that I'm a Christian. And then there's probably the most popular answer that's given. I know that I'm a Christian because I prayed that prayer that you're supposed to pray in order to be one. And that reminds me of Joe. Joe was a guy who lived pretty much directly behind me when I was growing up. Now, Joe, he was always in trouble. And I don't mean just like with his parents. He was always in trouble with the police. We would be sitting there at dinner and the police would be over there again. And we'd go, okay. I wonder what Joe did this time. And even though Joe is always in trouble, and uh, Joe would be like the last person many parents would want their kids to hang out with, Joe was a friend of mine. And so we hung out together. And then, of course, the years passed. And after I graduated from high school, I learned of the tragedy of his motorcycle accident. And so I went to the visitation to see his family. And as soon as I walked in, his younger brother, Ray, immediately came up to me. He says, will you thank your mother for us? I said, well, sure. But it's like, why? He says, well, you know, Joe always told us, you know, the life that I live, you know, I'm kind of dangerous, right? And, and you know, if anything should ever happen to me, I, I, I prayed that prayer, the prayer that you're supposed to pray to stay out of hell and go to heaven. I prayed that prayer in Mrs. Postuma's Backyard Bible Club one summer. And so should I ever die, you know where I'm going to be. And Ray looked at me and he said, will you thank your mother for us? Because we know that Joe is in heaven. And I've never forgotten that moment. I've thought about it through the years. Because God's grace can save anyone can save anyone, and only he knows the relationships he has uh, with those he calls his children. But for me, as I moved on in my life, I started to think, you know, and wonder, is there more to just praying that prayer to being a Christian? Is there something more going on here? Because when I started reading the Gospels, Jesus said, come, follow me. And certainly a prayer would be a first step, but following Christ uh, kind of signifies one step after another. And so that started me to think, okay, what does a deeper walk with Jesus look like? Or to put it differently, you know, what does evidence of a true faith look like? Not just in the lives of other people around us, but what is proof of that faith in our own lives? Now, when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, I, of course, I was going to college. I loved college. I loved college. I knew there were some classes I didn't want to take, didn't like to take. But you know what? That really didn't matter to me that much because I could see all kinds of people and meet all kinds of people, have all kinds of friends, do all kinds of things. It was great. And even though I loved college, I didn't always love college. There were moments where I didn't really care for it all that much. And that would come when I had to take a test. The fun kind of stopped there, right? Because a test determines if you have knowledge of the subject. 
and it determines if you truly know how to apply what you've learned. Well, if you've read 1 John over the past week or so, you will discover that John presents three tests that reveal if we're truly walking with Christ. And we're gonna dive into those a bit deeper here today, but let me just lay them out for you as we start. First is the truth test. The truth test. Then there's the obedience test. And then he talks about the love test. And as I stepped back and I began reading these texts, you know, one thing struck me is that John is known as the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, he loved all of his disciples, but there was a special relationship he had with John. And I think sometimes we think, well, that's because John, I mean, he must have been really a warm-hearted person, very kind, affectionate person, really devoted person, probably fun to hang out with, and all those things probably were true. But what was also true is there was no one really more direct, it seems, than John himself. And we see this in 1 John. And so basically, John is saying, okay, you call yourself a Christian, you say that you're following Jesus, well, then Start looking like you are. Start living like you are. And then he presents the truth test. First John 1 John 1.5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And so John tells us that God is light. Now, if you've been with us, you know, even going back to our salt and light series, we talked about light being a metaphor, a metaphor that can refer to different things. Here in 1 John, John is saying that that this metaphor refers to God, that God is light. And even so, it's like John knows that we need more light shed upon this in order to understand what he's referring to. And so he writes this in the very next verse. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So since God is light and light is truth, God is truth. And that's pretty clear. But did you notice the twist that John puts on all of this? John tells us that if we say we know God who is the truth, but fail to live in ways that display that very truth, we cannot be known to have fellowship with God who is the truth. After all, there's a big difference between knowing the truth and living the truth. The Bible says even Satan knows what the truth is. He just doesn't want to walk in it. And so John is saying this, living out the truth shows we know the truth. So let me give you some examples. If if I know that wearing seatbelts will save my life, and I refuse to put a seatbelt on, then I have no fellowship with the truth. Or, for example, if I know that real chili consists of beans and chunks of meat, and yet I choose to eat it skyline... You know what I'm saying? All right? (laughs) Yeah, preach it. (laughs) Or let me take this a bit deeper. If I know that God has called me to serve, and yet I always seem to have a reason why I just can't, I don't know that I have fellowship with the truth. And if I know that racism is wrong, and yet I fail to seek relationships with anyone who doesn't look just like me, I don't have fellowship with the truth. You see, when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his I Have a Dream speech, it was powerful, it was challenging, because it was based on the truth that all people are created in the image of God. So we should walk in that truth every single day that we live. It's a blessing that we have. 
And so in order to walk the path of truth, we do need to acknowledge at times, and we need to confess that many times we've embraced another path. John refers to it as the path of darkness. But then he says this, but... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In fact, that's our memory verse for this week. So will you say it with me? Keep that up there if you can. Let's say this together. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So walking in the light of truth leads to true fellowship and full forgiveness. We need both. And when we try to settle for just one, we end up with pretty much none, right? Let me give you an example. I, like the Christian will come up to me and tell me about the wrong behavior someone else is you know, participating in. And they'll say that they know this because their best friend shared all the details with them. So on one hand, the person is saying that other person isn't living out the truth, and they might not be, but they share with me that they participated in gossip, which also isn't living out the truth. So it's kind of halfway there, right? And most of the time when I try to lovingly kind of confront that and bring that to their attention, they mostly don't want anything to do with the person they've been talking about, but they don't really want to talk to me either, because after all, in their minds, they've done nothing wrong. But just share the truth. And this is exactly the kind of example John's referring to here. That's why he underscores the message again by stating it in a slightly different way. Verse 8, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we know that sin is a problem that plagues society, it would be really wise to say, you know what? Sin also plagues us, but it need not control us. But it will. It longs to if we'll fail to be honest about the sin patterns in our own lives. So let me ask you, are you passing the truth test? Are you? Do you know God's light of truth and you display this truth in your life? I think this is a very important question. Because you know what? In light of the last almost two years now, there's been a whole lot of quote-unquote truth spoken out there that, that people have embraced and then learned later, oh, it wasn't the truth. But, and people have shared passionately the quote-unquote truth. And it's confused a lot of people about what the truth is. Is God your true source of truth? Do you pass the truth test? And how would those who know you best answer that question? So based on this as our foundation, we're going to take a little deeper. Because John does. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Jesus said it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So the truth test naturally leads to the second test, the obedience test. Now before I dive deeper into obedience, let's briefly talk about how obedience works. Let me simply say it this way. We are not saved by our obedience we are saved by his. We're saved by his. As a result of Christ's obedience to face the cross for us, he now offers new life to us. Friends, there's never been a single person who has ever lived who was good enough to be accepted by God on the basis of their obedience. We are saved by grace. Paul put it this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we're saved through faith in Christ alone. And yet Christ's brother adds this, faith without deeds is dead. So in a nutshell, true faith results in true obedience. And when we settle for what God has only done in us, referring to our salvation, rather than what his grace longs to actively do in us and through us, we have greatly misunderstood God's grace. Because our salvation is not just about what we get from God. It's about what he gives us and then about what we obediently give away. And our obedience to God is multifaceted. For example, how does your obedience in trusting God show up when challenging times come? Do you trust or do you worry? Or how does obedience in serving God show up when there are those you can serve at home, at work, at your work, or even on the street? How does that show up? And how does your obedience in loving God show up in the midst of all the other options this culture longs for you to love? See, friends, there's a problem, I think, underneath a lot of this. That many people say they're Christians because they prayed a prayer that they believe served as their get-out-of-hell card. And we got to be so careful because Jesus did say, come, follow me. In fact, several chapters later, he added, whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. It means you can't have a relationship with me. So obedience is essential. It is not optional. And yet many Christians live like it is. So when some here, you know, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, some respond by saying, well, you know, I'll serve when I feel like it. And when some Christians here to obey is better than sacrifice, they sometimes neglect the latter while redefining the former. And it's dangerous because John says, whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Strong words. John refers here again to the truth test we just discussed. He's saying, you know what, since God is truth, and since living out the truth shows we actually know the truth, ongoing disobedience shows that we do not know God. So let me ask you, since truth should lead to obedience, where is truth leading you? Where is it leading you? When I entered high school, my freshman year, we had the opportunity as freshmen, you know, to buy and purchase our class ring. Remember that? This was a huge moment. It was huge. And as you may recall, the cost of that ring was associated with what it was made of. And so if you chose a ring made of silver, it was moderately expensive. And if you chose a ring made of gold, it was really expensive. Well, all my friends chose gold. And so I wanted gold. But the problem was my father was disabled. We struggled financially, so I couldn't afford gold. But fortunately for me, the ring manufacturer came up with a solution for people just like me. Because I could buy a ring made of what was called Aurora. Aurora. And while Aurora looked just like gold, it was actually just slightly more expensive than silver. And so I chose the knockoff cheap imitation and it worked. But the problem was, a couple years later, the aurora started falling off to reveal that I had a fraud. And John is telling us, when it comes to your faith, stop choosing aurora. Rather, choose the beauty of obedience that shines like gold. 
John says, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So it's here where John says, you know what? Pursue a deeper walk, a deeper walk with Jesus. And how do we do that? Well, Jesus told us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, you're, you're attached to me, you're gonna bear fruit. Well, fruit, if we're gonna bear it, what does that look like? Well, it looks like a lot of different things. But good fruit shows up when we forgive rather than seek justice or grow bitter. Good fruit shows up when we serve others rather than serve ourselves. Good fruit shows up when we tell someone else about Jesus rather than keep them to ourselves. And good fruit shows up when we naturally love someone rather than keep our distance from them because we don't understand them and they're different than us. And these are all possible if, if we are deeply rooted in Jesus Christ and empowered by his spirit. And yet there are Christians, people would say, you know what, I can do a lot of things apart from Jesus. I mean, look at my house, look at my career, look at all the stuff. And the truth is, apart from Christ, we can do many things for a season, but they will soon reveal themselves to be aurora, not gold. Living in Jesus means going to Jesus, saying, Lord, how can I best glorify you today? Show me what that looks like. And Lord, give me the strength needed to take on that assignment. And Lord, give me the love that's needed for that difficult person. I need your help. And one day I'd like to know why you place them in my life, but right now I just need help to love them. And Lord, give me the grace that's needed in order to turn the other cheek because I just naturally don't want to do that. And Lord, help me to bear good fruit and avoid my tendency to try to paint a rotten apple red. Help me live authentically. These are examples of someone who truly wants to live in Jesus. And when we live in Jesus, we can walk like Jesus. So are you passing the obedience test? Are you? And if not, what do you need to submit and confess? I asked this because not so long ago, the, the Barna poll, they, they did all this research and they, they studied the so-called behavior of born-again Christians and compared that behavior with the behavior of everyone else who says, you know what, I'm not a Christian. And it showed that within a 30-day period, Christians were nearly as likely to lie, cheat, steal, drink too much alcohol, and even use an illegal drug. Friends, there's often a gap between what we say is true and actually walking in that truth. In fact, some have called this functional atheism. It's the lifestyle that says, you know what? I follow God and yet live and talk in such a way that shows that maybe in their own minds, they're, they're living in a way like God doesn't exist. And in the face of that, there's good news. John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So is there an area of disobedience in your life? Maybe there's two. Maybe there's more. Right now, I just wanna pause for like 15 seconds and just allow each one of us a bit of time to confess that to God. Let's do that right now. Online, here in this room.
So we have the truth test, the obedience test, which leads to the love test. Now, let's be honest. Well, obedience can be difficult for all of us. This love test should be a whole lot easier because all we need to do is really give out the love that God has already given to us. I think that's partly why John doesn't mince any words here. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still living in the darkness. Hate. It's a really strong word, which is why many Christians think, you know, those words, they don't apply to me because, well, I don't really like some other people. I don't want them dead, so this doesn't really mean much to me. Well, the word hate in the original language means to detest. And to detest somebody is to strongly dislike them. In fact, I've known Christians and many Christians who have fallen into this category. And I know because I used to look at one in the mirror every single day. Bitterness cannot define us, friends. Love needs to define us. So let's be clear about what the Bible is saying here. That anyone who calls himself a Christian and yet has a strong dislike for another Christian is living in the darkness And one's failure to see such a sin in their own life is proof that the darkness has overtaken them. we got to be careful. There's a far better way. I have a pastor friend, probably my best pastor friend, and and, uh, he shared with me just recently, and I'm allowed to share with others, he referred to this story that just happened in his life as the wife and the single woman. They both came to his office. It was a very tense meeting because the single woman had been sleeping with the wife's husband. And so they both came with written. They had written down what they're going to say. And so the single woman went first and she read her apology. It was on one sheet of paper and she read this with tears, just read it. And then it was time for the wife to respond. She didn't have a page. She had a book. Page after page after page of all the wrongs, all the bitterness. It was all there. And so she started to read. And she got to the bottom of the first page. And she said later that, you know, it just something struck her that said, you know what? This is just bitterness here. And she looked up at that woman after reading to the bottom of that first page. She said, you know what? You've asked for my forgiveness. I forgive you. And then she ripped up her document in front of everyone. What does forgiveness look like for you or that person you struggle to love? Don't detest someone. Choose to love them and love them deeply. Because John says, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. That means there's nothing in them that's going to trip you up, friends. That's called freedom. That's called freedom. I encourage you to walk in it. Breathe it in. Let God's love heal you and that other person. So what does all this kind of look like? Well, I want you to think about you for every person on this planet, right? And, and I want you to think in terms of where you might be on this. Because for every person, we start out here, not that there's no God, but we often start out our lives like there is no God because I'm living my life, I'm doing just fine. And so I might live like there's no God. And, and yet God in his grace, in his goodness, he will call us and draw us. And some 
will respond. And they make that decision for Jesus Christ. This is the point here. It is huge. It's significant. It leads to a whole brand new way of life. And some of you have stories that you can tell about that moment. It's a powerful moment of leaving this idea, I know God, I I made a decision for Jesus Christ, and now I know God. I know him. Now, I don't know everything about him, because I'm learning, and he's teaching me more and more every single day, but I have a relationship with God. I know him. But then there's that thing that John writes about that plagues us, this thing called sin. And it wants to bring you down. It wants to rob you of joy. It wants to take you off the path of following Christ and deeply walking with him. And so it calls to you every single day, multiple times a day. It says, come with me. But because you made a decision for Jesus Christ, you're walking with him and he is saying, follow me here. He'd be more and more like me. Holiness. Holiness to a holy life, a righteous life, a God-honoring life. So where are you on this? You know, there are some say, you know what, I don't need God, but I sure like to sin. And they fall into this quadrant. I mean, they'll, they'll brag about it. I've, I've heard it, right? They brag about how drunk they got or how many people they slept with. Right? I mean, they got all this stuff. It just isn't a problem for them because while there might be a God, they live like there's no God, but they sure live like there's sin because they're in it every single day. Are you here? And then there are those who say, you know what? There's no God. But boy, they certainly live a good moral life. In fact, this has become a more growing movement in our country. People say, you know, I don't need God. In fact, I don't know people have said, I don't need Jesus. I can just be good without him. Don't need him at all. It's Aurora living. It's not the real deal. Because our good works cannot save us, cannot establish a relationship with God. And then there's, there's this quadrant, right? People, I know God. I know God, and yet sin keeps winning in their life. It's what the Barna research showed, that, you know, the, the idea that, well, I say I know God, I, I'm living like really he's not relevant, because sin keeps winning over and over and over and over again. Are you in this quadrant over here? Or those who say, you know, I know God, and I'm following Jesus. And he is refining me and shaping me. I'm looking more and more like him, thankfully, every single day. Which quadrant are you in? Are you in that upper right? Because in order to live in that upper right quadrant, I'll tell you what, it it means that each day, each morning we get up, we would say, Holy Spirit, Direct me and empower me today to both know the truth and live the truth. And Holy Spirit, direct me and empower me to walk the path of obedience in my life. I need you. And Holy Spirit, direct me and empower me to love others as you love them. Help me get rid of my list of all the things. Help me tear it up, put it away, and help me to love them. Because when I walk in the light, I walk like Jesus.
When I walk in the light, I walk like Jesus. So what does your next step look like? Is it a step of seeking the truth rather than embracing the lie you've been holding on to for far too long? Is that next step one of obedience? That thing that keeps robbing you, I'd, I'd ask it this way. What decision will you make about that when you are alone? What's that next step look like? Is that next step a step of love? Love. See, when I walk in the light, I walk like Jesus. I walk like Jesus. Michael, is it the time for us to uh, be introduced to somebody who wants to walk with Jesus and be like Jesus? Michael's gonna introduce us to him and let's encourage him in this effort as we're reminded over and over again that this is the call he has placed on us all to follow him. Michael. Well, it is amazing when we witness another time a life-changing experience. And we know that it is true that our God is still at work and he's changing lives. Um, and we're gonna celebrate baptism this morning. Uh, this morning, Peter Lenskis decided to declare that he is a follower of Christ and he wants to walk with him. So I'm gonna ask you later while we singing the song and, and uh, while he's getting baptized to cheer for him because it is great joy, it is great news, it is a great declaration. Um, I just wanna read a little bit of Peter's testimony here to you. Peter says, I've known Jesus ever since I was little. But as I became a teenager, I was anxious, worried, and nervous. At the epic fall retreat, I heard God saying, I am here. I love that, that he heard God saying, I am here. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and now I'm not anxious and nervous because I know that God is there with me. So as we witness as we witness this life-changing testimony, that the declaration of baptism, let's worship through in Christ alone.
Friends, it's all about having a deeper walk with Jesus. And as you walk out these doors in just a moment, as you walk out into this world, into your workplace, and your hangout spaces, wherever you go, walk deeper with him. As you leave, we have these bracelets, deeper. And I encourage you to take one, wear it, let it remind you when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're walking the neighborhood, when you're at the gym, be devoted to a deeper walk with Christ wherever you are. Friends, he loves you. He has called you. So now, as you go, walk in the light as he is in the light. And you will have true fellowship with God and with others. So as you go, follow Jesus, love Jesus, trust Jesus, be devoted to Jesus, follow him with every step. We'll see you next weekend. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.